0: Here we go. You, don't you don't worry about how I look. Hey, right. let's close your
1: eyes. What I'm
0: saying. Do with your eyes. <laughs> you read, close your eyes. Maybe I feel better if you close your eyes.
1: <laughs>
0: read with your eyes closed, okay?
1: Mm, sounds
0: good. <laughs> the spirit going to leave me. <laughs> spirit, let Get spirit you. be your eyes.
1: There you go. Now, what you say on that song? Talk about <laughs> y- y'all calling my third eye It's really my first eye. The
0: other yeah. two is
1: the weakest. <laughs> I like, right yeah. like that.
0: Got one eye like a cyclops. Come a on, one, third one. Actually, it's the first one. The first. two is the worst <laughs> ones. <laughs> these are not even. These are not even late. <laughs> This is how you see bulls, you see all the bullshit with these eyes.
1: <laughs> I was like, okay. Spinning, <laughs> hot fire. Y'all is the cutest. I really love this picture. That's my bookmark. Yes. Right. Where the other one at? Oh, my bad. What's one here? Never mind. This
0: one.
1: Yeah. Let me hold that one. <laughs> all right. All right, you start. All
0: right. all right, first of all, let's let's do a synopsis, a little summary of what we read before. What, what, what you remember from before?
1: Okay, so first, let's say what book it is. All right, y'all. So, we are reading. We about to go hop back in this joint of water and the spirit by Malidoma Patrice Somé. Um, and we read the intro in the first um, chapter a few days ago, and that intro was hitting hard, hitting super hard. Right? We kind of got into how um, how really how uh, colonists were affecting the the place where the author is from and how he was stolen um and basically taken by jesuits um and that was the reason why he really felt like he was a part of two different worlds that he could never really fully fit in either one but um he was fulfilling his name's prophecy really by being um a part of that world and would later continue to be a part of that world when he left africa to come to america he came to america right
0: Nah, well well i mean you know what i'm saying eventually later in life but like in the well, I was book talking he, about
1: like the later drink
0: in the book he's talking about being like taken to like no
1: not that part well when he said when he actually like after his initiation and after he had you know spent some time at home and the elders sent him to college it was in oh, yeah, where yeah. was it it was in america I'm, I'm,
0: I don't remember, but but I know he came to America and did a lot of stuff in America though. Yeah. So eventually he came to America in his elder years. So that's over after initiation. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. But um, I'm not sure of the timeline. You feel me? Mm-hmm. You know, but I, um what I remember specifically um reading the last time was, you know, some things I took away. Um was the grandparent-grandchild connection, the spiritual connection, <clears throat> and how the grandchild is, the child, that you know, is is just coming from spirit world, you know, and the, and the grandchild, the grandparent is soon to go back to spirit world, so they have, they both have messages for each other. You feel me? Mm-hmm. They both have. Spiritual messages for each other, spiritual connection, the spiritual bond that um that uh is very important. But my, you know why why you no? Know, I'm thinking at, at right now, like you know, like I'm you know I'm sure that that's true, but I'm also sure that that <laughs> you know how I'm on my three different types of people. So like, hi like I'm sure that that's true. That like you know, the elders and the youth have a specific connection, but I know that there's certain people who may be blocked off from experiencing this connection. For
1: sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> have your
0: grandparents in your life. You know, maybe the grandparents blocked off for the, or, or something or the parent has done something that has caused the block in the, in the mm-hmm. you know, which we kind of get in this book, you know. As you saw, like, with,
1: with
0: the, the with Maladoma's dad, yeah, yeah, locked the whole fucked up the Ooh. whole shit. But he said that that was he said that his his father Maladoma's father was like his life is fucked up this way because he ain't never have a connection with his grandfather, mm-hmm. so he blamed it on that missing that piece that connection. But you seen what happened with that, and I took from that that is like, high key we we, you know we we spoke that, about this before. It's like. We wonder why, like, there's churches on every corner and every block in most black neighborhoods, but then nobody in the motherfuckers. Cause niggas ain't gonna die. <laughs> like niggas really know, like really niggas really know that the spirit will like you feel me, will not be the same. Mm.
1: You Wait, me? you gotta get into why you're saying that because so basically the dead you know because he had his grandfather to kind of like usher him in to this world for real and kind of give him certain truths about himself and everything um down the line his his dad the the basically maladoma's granddad is like he's like this huge spiritual person connected to nature and everything because of his past but like <laughs> it's kind of like how he said though it's like Everything is it, it was kind of had to balance itself out for real. You know, his dad did what he had to do so that <laughs> um, Doma's grandfather could be who he was to everybody and their family could could extend those graces and, and food and everything that they had in abundance to the rest of the people or whatever, but the, the Malcolm's dad, he was missing that, and so basically, he didn't follow strictly with the spiritual, um, um, rituals and everything, and ended up not only being a part of their family, but him and his wife went to this, what was it, a priest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went to a priest, and so he didn't do this ritual for his twin daughters, y'all. And he had two more children after that. And all four of them motherfuckers died. Like, all of them.
0: Everybody.
1: Like, yo, kids, his dad kids kept kids telling him.
0: He was about to die. He was about to die. He finally gave him and did the, the the ancestral family rituals.
1: Mm-hmm. The thing is-, after, is way after-
0: That's the whole point. The whole point is we as black people are alive and we thrive when we are connected to ourselves spiritually. There are certain cultures that hold specific rituals. You know what I'm saying? Specific spiritual rituals. And they practice these over and over. You know, they practice these literally yearly or they practice them culturally Mm -hmm. daily whatever like they practice these in their culture a part of their lifestyle and it might be different all over different cultures but the thing is there are different indigenous cultures that practice spiritual rituals and that's what keeps them connected and lively you feel me keep them one keep them a family keep them connected to, to nature keep them connected to the universe the earth whatever right. you want to call it <laughs> and then long story short because we we kind of have that same thing like we naturally without a a a, a, a a a religious book black people we naturally know how to just tap in and connect you feel me yeah the thing is is, and what the book does well in explaining is that when 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 the white men or the European, the white Africans come with their religious books, I mean, indoctrinate indigenous cultures and, and and make make them put this religious book over their culture, it literally it literally kills like literally destroys the culture like literally people die like it like literally yeah. literally die I feel
1: like it's like uh, it's like you bring in this external source you know for you to feel validation and so as as a people like once you don't stay connected and don't like like kind of like um hold those traditions near and dear, those rituals near and dear, it starts to make you feel like you're missing something if you don't have a tangible thing to look to. But it's that trick because it's all inside of you. Like you don't need this tangible thing if you actually even paid attention to what has been done, what has existed, what is natural and what is what already it, and always is within you and around you and supporting you and guiding you. Like it make you feel like you can't trust yourself. And I don't I feel like that is what takes away that opportunity to be living and thriving the way that you said,
0: you know. Like how can nothing wrong with, with differences in culture, differences in spirituality, mm-hmm. religion, blah blah blah. But the thing is. What ends up happening is, like, for example, we talked about this the other day. It is natural for Black people to tap in and talk to their ancestors. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. When talking to the Christians nowadays, that is heathen. That is, they rebuke stuff like that. That type, of, that type of behavior is, is my guess is devil worshiping to literally talk to your fucking dead aunt. You know what I'm saying? Like they like literally, no cap. They will argue with you and be like, no, who never praised my ancestors, I only took to Jesus. Like literally. Like that's literally how that's literally a mind state. They don't believe in stuff like that. So when you do that disconnect yourself from your ancestors. And connect yourself to a false god, they just literally die you don't allow your ancestors to help you and they won't, they can't help you live. They can't yeah. help you. <coughs> they, they always will help you as much as they can. But when you take yourself out of the question, hey, I'm
1: about to say, you putting up that barrier yeah, to, to, you're to their help and their as
0: helping. As They're reaching out. So even when, even, you feel me? So it's like, even if you if you don't block it, then you good. Like, even if you're not yeah, reaching out, yeah. but you don't block. So the thing is like you could tap in, go ahead and play around with the Bible and all these religions, but don't stop your your your, your ancestral shit. Like don't mm. don't stop your shit. Yeah, don't speak against it. Yeah. Don't just don't choose one over the other. That's the thing. Right. Not Mozilla was like, nah, with all the ritual shit. I, I, I. Mm. You feel know I me? Mean? My child is baptized. Fuck all that shit. And that's what we do now. Right now, 2020. One, whatever. Like that's what 2022. That's what we're doing right now. Like literally, like <coughs> fuck, all, fuck all that African shit. That's voodoo. You feel know I me? Mean? Like fuck all of that candle shit and the incense and the sage and fuck all of that shit. You <laughs> like, think
1: like- Not even, you know, one thing that I really want to mention is the
0: fact,
1: (laughs) but yeah, but you know, even like the fact that we be going to Africa a lot when we talk about ancestors and what I've recently learned is that some of us was straight from indigenous to this land type shit and don't know that at all. Like, don't know that we're so
0: what you mean by that? Because that's like an oxymoron. That's a paradox. You feel me? Like when niggas say shit like that, it's like, it's really, that means more than what you say. So like, you know, when people say like, oh, I go back to this land other than Africa, it's 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 telling you not necessarily that like 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 that's you feel me, like it's <laughs> That means what all that means is you feel like it's just the way we've been taught history is that it's like in africa up until a certain point of time and then they were taken all over the world that's not true so like african like, african those those people that you're saying you came from we're we're Africans so you're like
1: obviously we know everybody came
0: and stemmed from Africa we know that yeah so like to play like it's you know it's just like we ain't even got to play like cause you it's like what African is just a word it's not like really like saying that you came from there it's literally just like that's where everything is traced back to so like it don't even matter like you feel me? Like, I guess
1: I mean that to say that all black people that that aren't like don't have direct relation to another place that's not Africa. We all think we was born over here as slaves, like, and yeah, that's like, not the case. Is what I'm saying. That's all. Not that yeah, we not all from that, that say, anyway. Like, that's yeah. that's what that.
0: That's all. When that's what niggas say. That's all. That's all. That means It's like, yeah, hey, yeah. I don't go back to Africa. Some niggas indigenous to other places. All that means is that hey. Like, it's a statement that, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we we weren't all brought over here on ships. But, for right. feel me? Because that's the way we've been taught history. Type yes, ship. yes. But Straight to like go that. G's into that. Well, she's going to still leave back there. So, Ooh, like... You read it first? Um, yeah, but, but yeah, the last thing we was talking about was um, high-key. <laughs> right now, niggas is doing all different types of all different types of alternatives, spiritual mm. practices, and literally denying black black spirituality. You yeah. feel me? And that's the problem type shit. And 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 high key like the, the 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 little things, the little things, the really little things like lighting a fucking candle. You feel me? Could do way more. Could could allow the ancestors in. Yeah. You feel me? And and we're not doing nothing.
1: Yeah.
0: You feel me? But we we, we 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 do do some whole other disrespectful, stupid shit. Like you feel me? Like just do some whole other, and I mean disrespectful, stupid shit. Like Europeanized shit. Like they take our shit European eyes and give it back to us and we just jack it like it is what it is. But it's literally disrespect. It's not reaching out. It's not, not allowing the ancestors in type shit. And we'll argue against that shit too. Like I had, like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like I had conversations with intelligent men who told me that, that the shit is demon work. And it's like, so this book is letting me know like, like a part of reading, you feel me? Like a part of. A part of me felt bad for his pops, but a part of me was like, I ain't feel bad, like, cause he's choosing to do the shit.
1: I'm about to say he is. At the end of the day, there's consequences for the things that we do. And, you know, it's kind of like how we are living over here. You get warning after warning and guidance after guidance and then you still decide that you, you're you not going to follow it and listen and it's just like you be looking around like, man, why my shit like this? Why is all my shit fucked up? But you're literally going against your intuition, your ancestors, everything that's telling you or pointing you in the direction of what is more you. Even like it's little shit, like you said, like me. I mean, like sitting and being like intentional about breathing, being like I wanna, I'm trying to connect. Like that's like you know what I mean. Little tiny shit that it takes two seconds to do and to be open. But like you said, it's it's, it's people putting that barrier and feeling as though, like how I told you about the the person, um, they picking, they picking, they separating it. They're taking God out of some stuff altogether, taking, you know, taking pieces and parts and thinking that they're they're really participating um in one religion when, you know, you still you pick that side, but you negating certain things that's part of that religion too. Like just to be disconnected from yourself. And it doesn't really, it doesn't add up. And it's not, it's not a fruitful, you know what I mean? So
0: one thing and the last thing that I want to say about chapter one and the introduction is Hi key, if you are suffering, if you're going through some shit, you probably a healer. Mm, you're talk about putting it. Putting that work on your ass so that you could realize how to heal, so that you Me. could heal so that you can spread the healing. And I think what they he said something along the lines of that in the chapter one, it was like. You know, like, like, let me see if I can find that shit. Like, the nigga was, he, when that shit hit me, it was like, yeah. Like, you going, it's, it's, so that's we.
1: It was so much that happened. We missing out on so much. Like, we giving them this little synopsis, but, oh, this, this
0: my is, gosh. It's yeah, this, a, this is just one chapter in, like, like, mm-hmm. We could talk. We could talk hours in this one chapter. Right. That's how much. That's how much. That's how much. Uh. Uh. Wisdom was in this bitch in this one chapter, and it's just like, God damn, every line is like a poem, and it just makes you look at it in two different ways. So like, shit different. You feel me? And 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 uh, you feel me? Rest in peace to the big bro, Maladoma. He just can't just send it. You feel me? So, lib- libations to the big bro. I say. I say. But I don't remember what that's said, but I know it was something along the lines of that, like, that's how spirit works. It's going to put you through some shit. It's, gonna, it's literally, he said something, something along the lines that spirit will haunt you. Haunt the healer so that mm-hmm. you can heal. So, if yeah. you're going through shit, if you going through some shit, it's probably because you're a healer and you're not tapped in, you're not tapping into the hiller and you're gonna keep going through that shit. And that's why I like niggas be going through shit and complaining and shit. You don't realize like niggas be thinking niggas, that's why I don't like all the cliche stupid ass lines, like everything happened for a reason. Blah, 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 blah. Like, shut the fuck. What's the reason, nigga? But, that, <laughs> don't but you saying that,
1: but you saying what the reason is though, you know what I mean? Like a lot of time they going through it because they ain't tapped in, because they not connected to self, because they not accepting their role, you know, and because they were they unfortunate. I don't even want to say unfortunately because obviously, as we discussed, like
0: everything is, is the <laughs> way
1: No, nah, look, look, everything is the way it's supposed to be. So some people they create their own, they gotta figure out their own ways and come to later. But, you know, they end up not doing the rituals that they need and not having those connections so that they can be as tapped in. But then they also be denying themselves, as we said. So, you know, such is life. Such is life. That brings about That brings about. a certain response, though, in reaction, and whoever's watching, you know what I mean. Like I feel as though knowing these stories about his dad's experience definitely affected Maladoma and him becoming that powerful person that he ended up being. and Really taking the conversations with with his grandfather, um, and the um, and the, his name. The name his grandfather gave him. Serious. So basically, y'all, Mally,
0: he named himself. Remember the name of the ceremony?
1: Oh, that's true. That's true. That is true. That
0: is very
1: true.
0: He named himself. Straight like that. uh, Straight like that. And that's it. We don't, you know, that's rites of passage we need to start getting back into. Like, doing shit like that like in a lot of babies in the room allowing the baby to you know what i'm saying like doing ceremonies and shit to to, to tap in a lot of baby to name himself a lot of baby to say his purpose ah uh-huh, shit like that not saying when you do that exact shit because we are that's some whole other that that yeah. shit they know what they are doing They
1: high,
0: like key, high key like whatever we know how to do use that Some people do. Some people definitely
1: be tapped into spirit so that they can allow, like they don't, they don't give their baby a name that they don't feel as though their baby is connected to. You know, I feel as though my name was definitely something like my dad chose, my dad actually picked my name. And, you know, I feel like it was something that it spoke to him, like from interacting with me energetically while I was in the womb, you know, like... And I actually didn't even get my name until a couple days when when we was about to leave the hospital. They was calling me baby girl, you know, until they kind of had a feel for what, who I was. You know what I mean? And my name means love brings joy. And here I am type shit. No doubt. And that, you
0: know, and. Well, what's what, damn? I had one more one more thing because I remember in the shit they were saying how, uh, how, um, <clears throat> how, um, he was he was in, uh, he was away, he was kidnapped, when he got kidnapped, he was away for like 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. That's when all that shit happened. So he ain't really experienced none of his brothers and sisters dying and shit like that.
1: No, that's not true. That was from his first, his dad's first wife. His his mother has he has a whole different
0: mom. Yeah, he did you know, but he shit. was remember because yeah.
1: he was like I don't I'm I don't know what would make my mother marry my dad after knowing the truth about everything that happened before because the I think the first wife also didn't she die as well
0: oh, yeah. because so she couldn't take losing he all child. her children. It happened before he was a child. Yeah, that yeah. was before he was it happened, even it happened dead. Before he was born. His brother died when he was he was alive the away from school. Mm-hmm. The older kid, manual, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that shit different, and it's like we we sacrifice ourselves to the shit, you know. And that's just why for me, like, you know, like like you say, everything happened in the divine time and the way really it's supposed to be. So, like, when it come to life, and being being vegan and shit like that, it's like, am I fucking vegan because I'm trying to live longer, like? Whatever my time is my time. You feel me? Like, it, it ain't got nothing to do with none of that. Like, nigga, it's not like living long. Like, you see I hate when people be like, oh, that nigga died so young. I be like, yo, bro, like, I don't got time for none of that. The whole point is we do this shit for, for, for a purpose. You feel me? So as long as I'm living with a purpose, that's it. If my purpose is done, it's time to go. It's time to go. That's just me.
1: Mm-hmm. So, like. I like that.
0: So high key, like like I feel like if you're not living with a purpose, then you allowing somebody else to buy you. Mm. You hmm. allowing somebody else to buy you. Like, you. You know what I'm saying? It's like high. this is just me. Like you to living for a purpose or you up for sale.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So like so, like, I feel like it's time to, to, to get off the market as a man. That's just me. It's time to get off the market as a man. And this book is really inspiring niggas to get off the market. Like, get off the market, man. So i putting this shit on, you know what I'm saying? Like, getting around niggas and niggas be you women. Know I like, just, just people just, well, for the right price, I do. And I'll be like, once niggas start talking like that, I don't even want me. You feel me? So, like, this book is hitting, hitting niggas in so different many. Angles me.
1: Yeah, for to me. Like, we niggas, only on chapter
0: one. <laughs> yeah, speak five niggas out here dying and music in the music industries and all of this? The niggas is literally putting their life into this shit. Yeah, for
1: real. When they,
0: you know What I'm saying. So, and I, 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 I you know, I pray for niggas. Feel me? But I, I just try not to feel sorry for for shit because it's like I understand that shit is the way it's supposed to be. Like, no matter the age, the person, the situation. I, I, I know shit is the way it's supposed to be.
1: I think that's a that's a beautiful note to start chapter two on. Let's go. All right. It's on you. Oh, it's on me. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Chapter two, a grandfather's farewell. Grandfather died while I was still completing the fourth rainy season of my life. I had been so used to being around him while the grown-up men and women were laboring at the farm that it took me a while to admit the stark truth that I was never going to find him again. Since my strange experience in the bush, my mother had kept her word and never taken me along with her when she went in search of dry wood. So on those days, my only companion was grandfather. One morning when I went in search of him, I saw that the dew was still lingering on his door. I was puzzled because he was usually awake and about long before the penetrating, he was usually awake and about long before the penetrating heat of the rising sun. Earlier, I had seen my father go into grandfather's room and stay there a long time. When he came back out, he had looked sad. Staring straight in front of him, he walked into my mother's sangala, taking no notice of me at all. When he emerged, his hand was full of ash. Some he poured in front of grandfather's door and some in front of his own door, making a straight line in front of each. He went outside the compound and dropped more ash in front of the main gate, making another straight line. I had been staring at him the whole time, he was conducting this strange ritual but when I went outside to try to talk to him he jumped nervously onto his English bicycle and left without saying anything. I lost sight of him as he grounded the corner of the house. Disappointed I went back into the compound wondering where to go. Nobody else was at home except me and grandfather. First I thought I'd call him out then I thought I would go into his room, but I thought better of both those actions. Grandfather's sleeping room was also a spirit room and I had never told, and I had been told never to disturb him when he was cloistered there. Deciding to wait for a while, I went outside the compound.
0: Our middle feels from the green carpet as far as I could see. In the middle of the carpet was dark, circle up the well that served as our water supply during the rainy seekers. Birds and chicken were busy around it. I could not see them because the millet hid them, but the crackling sound that came from the general area suggested that there were a lot of them. Far to the left, two majestic green baobab trees made me think of all the stories Grandpa grandfather had told me about them. He said that witches of all sizes illuminated their branches that night, burning the leaves with a milky fire that did not consume them. He also told me how these very same witches possess the secret of separating their souls from their bodies at night and of turning their souls into light, expanding to infinity. I had managed to get Grandfather to promise that he would take me to see their fireworks from the roof of the house one night, but he never did. While thinking about all of this, I had unconsciously wandered over to the baobab trees and now stood in their deep shade. Standing beside the gigantic trunks, beneath the enormous branches, heavy with grapefruits and their prominent growth, I suddenly felt small. I walked around their great trunk, searching carefully to see if I could find some remnants of the orgiastic rituals the witches had indulged in the night before. I decided to run back home, for I knew grandfather would surely be up by this time. But I was disappointed to find that his door was still tightly closed. I looked into the room shared by myself, my mother, and my siblings. There was nobody there either. I went over to my father's door and tried to open it, but it was locked. Returning to my grandfather's door, I contemplated it for a while, then took a deep breath, knocked hesitantly, and called "Grandfather, Come in, that faint voice replied. I can't come out. Panting, I opened the door and walked up two little stairs. Then down another two stairs and stood in grandfather's room. I could see nothing. It was like entering a cave or walking into in night. The, the room was so dark that I was sure one could sleep forever in it. Apart from a tiny hole in the ceiling that framed a tiny fragment of the immense firmament outside, everything else, including Grandfather, was buried in the darkness. Come over here, brother. and Be careful not to step on my medicine, Grandfather said in a faint, tremulous voice. What have you been doing? I hesitated a little before speaking. What are you, Grandfather? right here in front of you can't you see me <coughs> reassured i crept toward the voice and sat down when my toes touched the mud elevation that served his grandfather's bed he was still stretched out upon it, miller's serving as his mattress and a burlap sack filled with sand as his pillow he was dressed the same as i always had seen him in his ancient bye-bye it took a while
1: for my eyes to adjust to seeing in the dark Grandfather had never taken me into his room before, and I was anxious to inspect his secret dwelling. Grandfather's room was, in truth, a magic workplace. So unfamiliar, it did not even seem that I was still in our family compound. Each wall held a row of containers of various sorts. Most were clay pots, but others were just battered old cans and bottles. Each one seemed to contain something. From the ceiling hung hung, Dozens of gourds, some almost all the same size, were lined up perfectly against each wall. Bigger gourds formed a circle around the center of the ceiling. Another circle of gourds formed a smaller ring around the tiny opening of the roof. The arrangement of these clay pots, tin cans, and gourds seemed to fit together somehow in an intricate and interrelated pattern. They were the work of someone who knew perfectly well what he was up to. A rope coming through the opening in the ceiling was tied to to each gourd, and all the gourds were tied together in a complex design that finally terminated at Grandfather's bed. The artistry of this was amazing. Have you been into this room before? Grandfather asked, drawing my attention back to him. He had been watching me without saying anything all the while I looked around. Surprised, I protested, but you've never let me in. That's right, as long as my departure was not yet decreed, I could not allow you in here until you reached the age of initiation. In the dim light, I could see him looking at me with eyes full of tenderness. I could think of nothing to say. He continued, soon I will go. But before I go, I must tell you the message of your ancestors grandfather put on a grave face and gazed up at the ceiling as if his eyes were fastened on the, on the beyond. Malidoma, you're not yet prepared to hear what I'm about to tell you, but perhaps it is better that you're not prepared. Don't stop me while I talk. I will not speak out of my own thoughts, nor is what I am telling you just a story. It is a set of things about you that you must keep in mind as you grow up. The spirit behind the things you see in this room is using me to talk to you now. It has no mouth, but I have one, and we are friends. You understand? If you do not understand, do not worry. It does not matter right now. Later, when you're older, somebody will remind you of what I said today. Grandfather was right. When I became older and was ready to hear Giso, one of the elders of my tribe, Helped me to remember. Remember, so what I tell you now flows from that remembering. Brought about by Giso, who understood the painful uniqueness of my destiny and hoped to help me to fulfill it after I became an initiated man. Every word my grandfather said that day was slow. Was said slowly. Every sentence was given an interminable time for utterance. Every sentence was followed by a long silence grave and filled with meaning. It seemed as if Grandfather had suddenly ceased to be human. He was disconnected from his voice as if somebody else next to him were speaking through him. I could feel the presence of that spirit being below the sand pillow upon which rested Grandfather's head. on. the
0: sweat of one person has significant, <clears throat> the sweat of one person has significance only when it serves everybody. Mm. Mm. (laughs) You have been designated to follow the white man so that you may serve as the eye of the compound. The air of your many brothers in the mouth of your tribe. Remember my words, you came from the water, which in our tradition is a symbol of peace and reconciliation. This water has a direction in our mythology, the north, the direction you face each time you stand in a place where the sun rises on your right. This is a place where those who have something to say to the souls of others come from. Now you must go west to learn the wisdom of the people there and represent to them the truth we profess. You are gonna be initiated into the white man's witchcraft. If people ask you to do it, I grieve for you. Many ambushes await you, but my spirit will stand by your side. Very soon you will leave your family. It is happening already, and very soon I will not be here with you anymore. In times of turmoil, however, Tingen, the god of the land, will be your shelter, shielding you from the storms of antagonism and blunt hatred. Your journey will never be a lonely one, but from it you'll never come back whole. The ways of the whites consume. When you come back, what you have learned outside the tribe will look suspicious to all of us. You will be only partly a dagger. You will suffer great frustration, for you will call for your father who will not be here to console you. You will call for a mother who will want you to act as, as you used to before she will listen to you. Later, when you must go away once more from the warmth of your family compound, you will be forced to make up a new world <coughs> for yourself. It will be a world where Patrice will be very present and Maladoma will be, will be absent. Do not be confused when this happens. The dagger right of initiation must be completed before you come to full understanding of who you are. In your labyrinthine journey in the white world, the world of iron, learn to catch the thought behind the machine or it will swallow you. Grandfather seemed to have completely disappeared from my sight. Although I was seated right next to him, I could no longer see him. The voice I was hearing had ceased to have a location but seemed to be coming out of the numberless cabinets, containers lit, lining the room. It was as if the walls themselves were speaking, the sound of it echoing everywhere as if in the bell jar. Grandfather had taken me to a world of wonder for I myself was transformed. Thousands of images of a civilization I had never seen rushed at me. All alive and real, immense metal birds gliding high above the sky, their bellies loaded with humans, dwellings and roads covering the earth as far as the eye could see, houses that challenge the void of heaven and dwarf men, trees, and anything else around them. You talking about airplanes and shit, helicopters, skyscrapers. <laughs> I began to feel a kind of vertigo that made me want to lie down and and lying down, however, I never reached the cold floor of grandfather's room. I was suddenly transported into a higher region of my consciousness, where I stopped being a child. I was simply a Noah without age. I had never seen nor dreamed of such a place before. From there, I understood perfectly what my grandfather was saying. Stunned, and suspended in my thoughts, I kept listening to the voice coming through grandfather. A long, long time ago, the whites came into the land of our people and waged war against us. They were equipped with enormous machines that roared like an approaching storm as they took the life away from our childhood. Guns. But in the end, we won the battle thanks to the magic of the Pinto, the upside-down arrow. It sold in them the seeds of death. I shot, at I my myself countless times from this room. It saved the brief for and the dagger for a while. The white men died without ever knowing what killed them. After that, we had peace, but not for long. Very soon, more, more white men appeared. The French came from the West and the English from the East and we were caught in the middle. We sent our children and women into the thick of the forest and all initiated males were requisitioned to die for the tribe. Your great-grandfather trained more people in the secret of the Pinto, animated by the fever of their last victory, our men were confident. The war raged for an entire season. For as more as these white pigs were sent to their deaths by our supreme warrior, Pinto even more appeared as if by enchantment. During the day, our men were in a pretty bad state, but that was when those pigs fought best. Then their machines, their guns, roared iron into our men's by the hundreds. But at night, the whites would disappear into the forest, a place not at all hidden to the Pinto. The dreadful arrow would send death to their sleeping places and come back to, re- come back to be recharged. Thus, they won by day, we won by night. Then one day, one of the men who guarded the women's secret hiding place came and told us a strange story. He said some white men were in the women's quarters, giving them food, medicine, and clothing. The messenger himself was clothed like a white man. We were confused about what to do, for our law says that you do not hurt someone unless they hurt you. A war council was ordered, and we agreed to make peace with the enemy. Oh, woeful decision, fools All we were No demands were made, no compromises decided. We simply ended the war by refusing to fight.
1: So the whites came in and settled. They built hard houses and large roads all over the area and forced our men to do the work. They even asked us to pay them taxes. They had infiltrated uh, our territory and we could do nothing. They told us that our fetishes were disempowered and that we must cleanse our houses of them. Many heads of family did so in fear of their lives. My father was among the few who refused to obey their orders. That's why today our family is one of the largest left. Those who threw away their fetishes died shortly after. The tenjin, the made sure of that. The families who obeyed the white man were dispersed. Dozens of families were thus wiped out in no time. So you see, some say that the white man became smarter, stronger than us through the help of the avenging spirits of the ancestors. He conquered us through confusion. Your father is one of their victims, but fortunately, he is a victim who is still alive. And do you know how? Because we did not destroy our fetish. One day, he too will come to understand why one should never, under any circumstance, forsake forsake one's own ways. If you do not abide by the ancestral law, you tacitly ask for your own punishment. In your Uh father's case, (laughs) they echoing right here, it's iteration. In your father's case, it was prophesied that his heart would melt in the face of the white man's fetish that he would follow him. But it was not part of the plan that he go too far into this maze, just far enough so that our people would have something to work on, a sample of the white man's ways. Your father's illness was a warning from the ancestors that he should stop. See, his troubles have made him wiser. I don't think he wants to travel anymore. Grandfather paused. The strange vibration in the room stopped. My consciousness shifted I was back in the everyday world and could now see him as a normal man his face was shining with sweat as if it had been anointed with sacred oil his cheeks were smooth and round and had almost no wrinkles as if he had reclaimed his youth he looked 20 years younger his eyes wet with tears were shining with intensity and I wondered why he had been crying He looked like somebody who had just come back from the emotional intensity of a funeral rite and was still in the process of adjusting to the ordinary world. He was soaked with sweat. His double voyage into the future and back to the past had taken a great deal of energy. Later, when I was older, I will recall this moment with grandfather as the most intense learning experience of my life. Outside, the burning disk of the sun was slipping toward the burning disk of the sun was slipping toward its resting place. Its rest, <laughs> its resting place. I thought of my parents on the farm, far away, and how they were getting ready to return home and take their hard-won rest. Suddenly, the sound of a breaking clay pot shattered the silent air. Probably the one we had used for dinner the night before. Nobody ever had time to clean them before going to sleep. People worn out by an entire day of heavy labor, who must be up at dawn to repeat the same monotonous work, had no time for housework. The noise was immediately followed by the sound of hoofs. The main gate had been left open and the goats and sheep had crept in, searching for scraps of food to supplement their diet of grass. Go kick these animal, animals' asses out of the yard, grandfather ordered. I jumped to my feet, ready to run out and chase them out of the compound. And close the gate before you come back, he added. I was already at the door. The animals knew somebody was coming because they all turned and ran out quickly before I could kick the ass of even one of them. That had broken the clay pot and licked out anything that tasted like food. I knew that when my mother got home, she was storming me for my negligence and. forgetting to close the door behind me when I returned from my trip to the baobab tree. But there was nothing I could do about that now except shut it quickly and rush back to grandfather's room. It took you long enough to return. Didn't those goats want to leave? Come, let me finish with you. Then you can go wait for your parents. I would like to take a rest.
0: I would like to die now. This nigga... (laughs) This nigga, um... That's how you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, grandfather dying. Shit that's normal ain't even happening. Like, nobody there. Goats and shit breaking out the cage. <laughs> the energy is just different. Type mm-hmm. shit. Clay pots breaking and shit. Yeah. You see the whole room, though? It was like, clay pots on the ceiling. Nigga had a mm-hmm. whole experience. Grandfather. It made t- me,
1: honestly. It made me think of the, the pot of water that he would use... To be able to tell what was going on with, um, that was like his connection to the spirit room, Jad. Like
0: surveillance right? cameras.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they talk about the simplicity down, of
0: it. On the ceiling type shit. gangster shit. All right. Grandfather was sitting him down, leaning back against the sand pillow. I approached and settled at the bottom of his sleeping mat. Which was warm and soaked with sweat, as if he had just sat up. Presently, he resumed his unearthly aspect, and a voice began speaking shrilly through his body again. Very soon, you will leave this house to investigate the land of the Napula, the white man, he began. It will not be an easy experience. In fact, it will be the hardest thing you will ever do. I'm in pain for you, but there's nothing I can do about it. What is decreed is decreed. Our ancestors have told us that the best way to know who the Napula is is to get closer to him. So this is what his pops was supposed to do, but his pops went too far, and, you know what I'm saying? Actually mm-hmm. wanted to be like, he's supposed to just go get a little bit, come back, bring it to the, you know what I'm saying? Bring it back to the culture. But his pops went all the way there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like, all right, it's on you now. <clears throat> Our ancestors told us that the best way to know who the poodle is is to get closer to him. Iron cuts iron. But iron can only cut iron if it rubs itself against iron. The desire for such knowledge is good, but actually getting that knowledge is not the story. But the ancestors will be done. Remember, however, that in the process of fulfilling your life's mission, you must not forget that you—that your roots are here with us. I say this because I know the hardships that await you. That's the thing. People forget what they roots are and they be like, my roots is in Jesus. <laughs> you will soon be shot into the void like an arrow, flying like a bird, diving away in alligator, dives to the bottom of the river. But remember, the arrow shot into the air always returns to the earth. The bird, however high it may fly, never fails to return to the ground. The alligator can dive deep into the water, but it must always return to the surface to breathe. Remember where you come from. The day you plucked in a pool of secret, run. Even if you are at the other side of the world, run back and tell us. You are Berifio, my brother, the former priest of the tribe. You hold the destinies of the thousands of souls, the souls of your people. Remember to suffer for them is a credit to your name. Be prepared, for You have come back for that. I salute you. I must go. Saying this, Grandfather stretched and laid back down on the mat with his eyes fixed upon the ceiling. I could think of nothing to say. I did not really comp- comprehend what he had told me anyway, understanding would come later when I was older and was helped to remember. Grandfather closed his eyes and remained still as if sleeping. My thoughts slumbered in response to the stillness, so and I could not decide whether to leave or to stay, and this dark room. wrong. My indecision embarrassed me, but at the same time, I felt a deep peace flowing into my body, to my back. It seemed as if his spirit was breathing fresh air into me. The freshness invaded my body and I became so cool and so relaxed I thought I was gonna fall asleep too. I do not know I do not know how long I remained in that state, but I do remember is the return of the field workers from the farm and the great explosion produced by my mother as she dropped a load of dry wood in the middle of the yard. These sounds dragged me back to reality and I wondered how quickly the day had passed. Slowly I crept good night. Slowly I crept toward the doorway, avoiding a row of gores in the middle of the room. Outside it was dark, the sky as usual. Was, peop- was peopled with countless bright spots, all dancing to the rhythm of the unheard drum. Far in the west, I could still see the place where the sun went down. Everything else was shrouded in the veil of mysterious darkness. Soon, my father arrived. He pushed his English bicycle into the yard and rushed into grandfather's room. I walked around searching for my mother, for I hadn't eaten a whole day and was mournfully hungry. I found her catching her breath in a huge hall. As if knowing what I was coming for, she pointed to her left breast and assumed the quiet position. Even though I had been weaned a long time ago and was used to eating solid food, my mother still breastfed me from time to time as a snack when no food was readily available or when she sensed that I needed tenderness and reassurance. The day when my grandfather had been bewildering and had stretched my young limits to the utmost. I do not know how long I hugged my mother. I do not know how long I hugged my mother's breast. Suddenly, I was startled by the noise of an engine outside the house. My mother pushed me away and rushed out. Disoriented, I remained in the dark for a while to follow her. Father Malot, the head, the Jesuit priest who always visited the family, was standing there in the yard speaking very loudly and very bad to Several people surrounded him, most of them from the other compounds. Father Malot barked out a command of my father, and one of one other person went to grandfather's room and came out carrying him. The little crowd joined in carrying, and together they moved him out of the yard. I followed him. They put grandfather and a few of his personal belongings into the car. Shortly after the car groaned and illuminated, the whole yard turned around and headed toward the mission. My father grabbed his bicycle. I ran to him and asked, Where are they taking my grandfather? To the dispensary. I'm going with you, I said. The night will be very cold and you are not well protected. Just go inside and wait here. I will return. I screamed and yelled and fell down on the ground, pedaling my feet in the air with frenzy. My father sighed deeply as if he didn't know whether to get angry at me or not. Next thing I knew, I was behind him on the baggage rack. The dispensary was built a few years after the missionary settled in Dono. It was the same dispensary that I had avoided being born at. The first Jesuit to arrive in our territory looked like an explorer. He spent his first six months living in a hut down the hill. An administration building connected to the white colonial government and the church now sits on the site where he used to live. He paved the way for the other Jesuits by maintaining a steadily growing Christian community. While others came, they built a huge house for themselves and the church for everybody, all on the top of the hill. From the valley east where everyone could see the steeple of that church, I knew none of the people up there except for Father Malot, who was a frequent visitor to our village. Next That's- to the church were a couple of houses where sick people Oh, you go ahead.
1: Nah, nah, nah. It was a pause. <laughs> if you wouldn't
0: go ahead, do you think? Next to the church were a couple of houses where sick people were treated with modern medicine. It was there that Grandfather was taken. A pudgy man examined him as he waited in silence. Next grandfather was taken to the dispensary room but he lay unconscious. Calling his name, I rushed over to him and grabbed his hand. Don't touch him, my father roared. But grandfather opened his eyes and seeing me, smiled faintly and closed them again. I sat next to him, my hand, my left hand in his right hand. Nobody said anything more. All the faces around me were shrouded with sadness. I didn't know why, but I did not care as long as grandfather was there.
1: When I woke up in the morning, I was not beside grandfather, but in one of the corners of the tiny cement room. I stretched my legs, rubbed my eyes, and looked around me. The sun had already risen. Its penetrating rays were already biting my skin through the corrugated iron roof of the building. Grandfather was still lying where I had seen him last night, and he seemed to be in a deep sleep. I got up and walked to him. Picking up one of his hands, I called him aloud. He did not answer. When I called again, he remained quiet. My father was not around and I didn't know any of the many villagers in the room. I sensed, however, however, (laughs) that they must be the leaders of other compounds. I looked at them for help to find out why grandfather was still sleeping. You will never speak to him again, said one of of the strangers. He has become a spirit, Another one said, I still didn't understand, but I hesitated to ask for further explanation. Confused, I said quietly. It was a long time before my father returned with the doctor who had examined grandfather the night before. The, do- the doctor did the same ritual and left. Then my father stood in front of grandfather's bed and put on a grave air." He held up something that looked like a tail mounted with two handles, decorated with cowrie shells, stretched it out, and put it in Grandfather's hand. As soon as the tail touched his hand, Grandfather opened his eyes and sat up, all in slow motion. His behavior seemed strange, because he wouldn't let go of the tail my father had given him. He could not use his other hand to support himself while maneuvering to sit up. This seemed very odd to me. Ordinarily, grandfather took an endless time to get up from his couch. He would begin by grinning and groaning while he turned himself over. Then he would grip the mat with his hands and one by one bend his legs until he was on his feet. But this time, nothing of the sort happened. Grandfather's torso set up as if moved by an invisible hand, then became immobile. Following the same impulse, his legs bent over the side of the bed, although they were cracking like dry leaves. Fascinated and speechless, I watched. Everybody seemed captivated. But then he began to rise as if under a slow and steady impulse, his body resembling one of the village spiritual spirit statues. I was not only fascinated, but also afraid that he might lose control and break his back. No one could possibly get up this way without using one or both of their hands to balance their weight, but grandfather's only contact with the ground was with his bare feet, and one could see the muscles of his lower part of his legs compressed and straining under the thin, dark skin. Presently, he was standing straight up. This miracle completed, I rushed to him and grabbed his right hand, the one that was free, my father made a movement to stop me but decided against it keeping his authoritative tone my father spoke to my grandfather in a secret primal language grandfather said nothing in response he just walked out of the room preceded by my father and followed by the delegation i walked at his right side still holding his hand he moved strangely Too straight, too rigid, unnatural, yet very conscious of any obstacle. Once outside, the crowd joined to make a circle around us. Although I was too young to understand the significance of this ritual, or while all these people were not speaking with one another, I was glad to return home with Grandfather, even if he did not seem to want to speak to me. The four-mile walk took an equal amount of hours. did um, people don't walk very fast, they are not in a hurry, we must have reached home around noontime, for upon our arrival, we were each walking on his own shadow. People we encouraged along our way stopped, left the road in a somber mood. At home, men and women were everywhere, having come from all directions to wait for grandfather. Those who had arrived earliest were sitting under the shadows of the trees surrounding the compound. Others stood under the biting sun. Many more were still arriving. When we reached the yard outside of the main gate, our delegation stopped. Five old men came out of the compound and saluted us in mystical terms, each one kneeling down with a grave air. I felt proud to be at the center of so much attention. They murmured something to Grandfather, he continued to be unresponsive, but they, they did not seem to mind his silence at all. I'm going to stop here for a moment to make a point. Different cultures have different relationships with their dead. And I know very well that in the culture of skyscrapers and high technology, dead people don't walk. Instead, they are placed in nice expensive casket and driven to the cemetery in elegant black cars they are put quickly out of sight so that life can go on.
0: God damn. (laughs) Can we talk
1: for a minute? Can we talk? Go ahead. Can we talk about like, I don't even know. First of all, the way that he was even describing being in like this, this other world, the way he, like when you said it, I didn't realize until you said that he was talking about planes, talking about metal birds, all this stuff. I was just like, what? What
0: is he saying? So, like when his pop when his grandfather channeled, so this is why his grandfather started crying because he told it to his Mm -hmm. brother. So his grandfather channeled spirit and allowed spirit to speak. Mm -hmm. And he's realized as he's speaking to his brother. So he's crying, you feel me? When this, when when he's, when the four-year-old kid is getting these spiritual downloads, he's telling him about the future. He didn't just say it, he showed him. Mm-hmm. Like literally took him, like literally tr- traveled with him and showed him and said, this is what's going to, this is what you're gonna have to go see. You're gonna have to go into this world, you know what I'm saying? For the, you know what I'm saying, da, 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 da. and then he took him back to the past mm-hmm. and showed him shit in the past. And was like, "Look at what you, you know, what I'm saying, what what you with, what your, your, your great grandfather did, what my father did," and was showing him all these images, literally traveling with him. <laughs> and that's why he was like, "Look, like my my, look at look at look at granddaddy sweating so crazy." I could see that all that time traveling took a toll on him. He's showing me all of the shit. He showed him all of the wars and shit that happened, the upside down. He was showing the upside down arrow and all of this shit. Like he was showing him everything spiritually. Mm-hmm. Type shit. So that's why I'm reading and I'm like, yeah, metal birds and... and, and you know, buildings that... That's cut great he's describing it, but I'm like, yeah, I like his poetic language type shit. Right, his I was like, yo. Inside their bellies, I'm like, airplanes. So he's, he's, you know, and then he's talking about machines with metal things. He was talking about guns, but he just described it in a very, very, like, poetic way. So I liked it, though. I like how he described that shit. But the niggas... You know what I'm saying? He got, you know what I'm saying? This, I like how the magic is subtle. I like, you feel me? It's subtle. I like the way he describes it. And I'm sure that if I was him, it would probably, it would probably, you know what I'm saying? Like, he probably, I couldn't even describe it for real. You feel me? Because how do you describe some of this shit in words? Especially in this English quick fix language.
1: Mm. That was something else that we've seen in the introduction about about, you know, basically this whole book basically was difficult and took a long time to be written because he didn't experience these things in English. And it's really hard to translate experiences because the languages are very, very catered to culture. You know what I mean? And so basically, Mally Doma says in that intro about um, uh, uh, English being a quick fix uh, language um, for consumers. You know what I mean? And we live in this consumer culture. And uh, I mean, wow, just wow to this book. like, <laughs> And the fact, I'm glad that he really stop the last paragraph that I read he's like I'm I'm gonna pause here for a second just so we understand <laughs> like ain't nobody trying to pretend like you would ever see this you know what I mean That's in true. the places where you you know have these things that are very very I guess for me I would say very consumerist you know you don't see people honoring the dead and doing these rituals and he said why because they're ready for it to be out of sight and out of mind so they can keep moving and keep consuming.
0: <laughs> like, you get back to a funeral real quick, wake real quick, get the fuck out of my face, I'm gonna go up on my life. Straight like, like that. Little shit, like funeral, you know what I'm saying? Like, like for real, like niggas, niggas die, niggas be like, I'm just trying to say my love, I'm out of there. Like, niggas want nice, quick funerals, you know what I'm saying? I will right, well, let's go. Like, you about to see how long this funeral is about to be? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, um, keep- this is. Day not, one of the... Day two, I
1: think, of the ritual, actually. Day two, right here. Because he started it, right? When he no, put the ash at the door.
0: One. It's not even day one. It's not.
1: It was day one.
0: He ain't even day one. He ain't even die yet. He wasn't even dead yet.
1: He was dead when they was walking. He said, we know dead people
0: don't walk. No, he, he said, I know very he, well. He, he, he died at the at the White man hospital the dispensary, so like yeah. at the crib he was doing all my ass shit. He wasn't dead yet.
1: Well, I know, but technically they knew he was back to die. so I'm including that as part of the dead ritual. Like that was day one of the ritual, and then the next day two he died.
0: Type shit, you
1: know. Hey, drinker, come on. Like I'm just uh,
0: saying, thought uh, yeah, Like the funeral ain't like funeral has right. Happened. When you about to see how long this shit. Has. So why do I the dead feel way- like he
1: was reading without me or something? So well, I'm about to see how long it is. is that what you know?
0: Why do the dead walk where I come from? <laughs> they walk because they are still as important to the living as they were before. They are even more meaningful. As the breadth and depth of our funeral ritual shows, we do not hide their bodies away because we want to see those bodies to help us remember the person's life and all the good they did for us. So ain't no caskets at the funerals. We need to remember that they are well on their way to becoming an ancestor. We must see our dead so that we can truly mourn them all the way through with our restraint to release the grief from our hearts once for all. Wow. True, true, every dead person is not asked to walk. My grandfather died on a mission hill, that's in a foreign land. He was an elder and a leader of great power and should have died at home. The only way to correct the death of such an important person when it occurs in the wrong place is to walk the dead home. Once the funeral ritual is at an end, his body will be carried to the burial ground. Grandfather's eyes were peering at something beyond him. His face and body expressionless. Of all of us, he was the least concerned about what was going on. Presently, the people were cleared away from the gate and he walked into the compound. Looking behind me, I noticed that the crowd under the trees had stood up and were reverently taking part in everything that was going on. Beyond them, the whole miller field was colored with men and women in blue, white, yellow, red, and black clothing still arriving. As I marveled at this colorful panorama, I was dragged into the present by a pull from Grandfather where I had begun walking again. We walked into his room. There, a kerosene lamp cast a faint yellow light Disturbed now and then by the wind penetrating from the skylight in the room. As Grandfather moved toward his mud bed, he looked both comic and dramatic. His stiff movements and his almost ghastly air gave him a look that was both authoritative and indifferent. He leaned forward just as he was about to reach the low elevation of his bed. He lifted his left foot and put it hesitantly upon the platform as if doubting the propriety of his actions. Then he stepped straight up until he was standing on the bed. Once this equilibrium was established, he turned around and faced the entrance door as if to contemplate the small crowd that had followed him into the room. There was no real eye contact, however, because Grandfather was now existing in a space that was beyond the living. Although he was physically present with us, he was only really alive in the world of the spirits. My father came to Grandfather and took the hyena tail out of his hand while two robust men supported Grandfather from the back. Grandfather let himself fall into their hands, and with due ceremony, he was laid out on his couch. Once again, he looked as if he were deeply asleep. Disoriented by his sudden immobility, I looked around me in search of an explanation. Mm -hmm. The crowd outside was growing rapidly, and I could tell something was very wrong. A little more than 24 hours ago, I had been transported into the future by grandfather's speech. Now he was sleeping peaceably, as if indifferent to what was going on around him. Five or six men who had accompanied us to Grandfather's room were now busy. Some were rearranging the order of the gourds and cans in the room. Others were preparing medicine or lighting up arom- aromatic plants. My father had once again disappeared, but I could hear him speaking to a group of old women who were standing at the entrance of Grandfather's room. Get the material ready for the meal and warm up the water. Make haste. Everything must be finished before the sun cools down. He came back to Grandfather and proceeded to strip him of the remnant of clothing he wore. Then he massaged his body slowly and carefully. One of the men brought a clay pot containing some foam and liquid inside of which was a double-edged knife. My father lifted the grandfather's head while another man proceeded to shave his white hair. He wetted a portion of the snowy skull then cleaned away whatever hair was there. Then he collected the fallen hair, handed it up to another man near him who passed it to another and so on until I lost track of it. The shaving went very slowly. And there was nothing left the hairdresser to put the knife back into the pot, then pronounce some lugubrious words. The gauze and cans in the room responded by knocking against one another. At that moment, the woman entered the room. They put down an enormous clay jar full of warm water in three other medium sized pots. One contained more water, another some seasoning ingredients, and the third one some miller flour. The woman left without a word. The man rushed to the pot full of warm water and carried it to grandfather's deathbed. It mixed the water with three different roots and two liquid substances that they packed out of some of the surrounding gourds and washed his body carefully. Grandfather's last toilet took an inter- interminable time. Those who labored on him were singing solemnly in harmony, a sort of genealogical recital. I can still recall some of the names and later I understood that they referred to my very ancient ancestors. After that, the men recited the prayer of the dead. Other men who had not entered into the earlier singing now sang the canticle to the spirits who who know no death. These spirits live in the underworld, in the air, in the water, and in the fire. The awesome voices of the men, tremulously mounting in the air like a mournful complaint, were seconded by other voices outside of the entrance. The woman's song was the most thrilling. Men who heard it groaned the brief sign way, which means in our language, oh father. The woman's shrill voices rose sharply like daggers and penetrated every heart blocking our throats, sending chills all through our bodies and causing tears to up from our eyes. I was crying not because grandfather was dead, for up till now I had but a faint idea of what death meant. But because these female singers made such a miserable lament that I was beginning to suspect some sort of tragedy had occurred. The room was suddenly overtaken by a blanket of darkness, thick and heavy, punctuated here and there by something that resembled a yellow glitter, the mild lightning. Behind the single voices, there was a continuous murmur an unfailingly monotonous buzzing sound that was coming out of the surrounding gourds and cans. They were hitting against one another as if moved by the ropes that held them in place. Next, I heard the sound of of marching feet, pounding and grounding everywhere in the tiny room. The darkness became deeper and more terrifying. Footsteps also sounded on the roof of the house and little bits of dirt falling from the ceiling seemed to indicate that the roof was groaning under the weight. Inside the invisible marching but inside, the indiv- the invisible marching people shouted at each other cacophonously and stomped loudly in every direction, bumping into invisible objects that fell catastroph- catastrophically on the ground. The noise was getting to be unbearable. Yeah. Then, <laughs> uh,
1: they got some good words in this book and I like this. All right. Then everything began to revolve in a circle around me. I had the feeling that I was on a raft that kept turning and turning and not going anywhere. On the raft were half a dozen elderly people, each one my grandfather. Each one my grandfather and each one making fun of me. They were laughing loudly, mindless of whatever I wanted to ask them. I kept trying to speak to them, but my mouth wouldn't form the questions that my eyes kept asking over and over. The raft finally took off into the air. and In an ultimate movement, it dived into the void like a spaceship. Overtaken by fear, I yelled, everything ceased instantaneously and i saw my father bending over me with an anxious face asking are you all right i realized i was lying next to grandfather on his bed they had dressed him up or uh they had dressed him up the way they dress everyone who does i wonder what had happened to me singers washers and hairdressers had finished their cabalistic activities and were now all interested in another no less mysterious one. They had transformed grandfather's room into a kitchen where everything was happening upside down. A clay pot full of water was boiling quietly on the ceiling, its bottom sitting against the roof. Beneath it was a fire dancing inside a triangular fireplace, its boundaries marked off by medium-sized stones, each of which could easily have weighed 10 kilos. The whole fireplace, fire, stones, clay pot, and water were suspended as if by enchantment on the wooden ceiling. Beneath this vertiginous fireplace, men were busy readying the many condiments necessary for the preparation of a meal outside the force of gravity. I was fascinated by this upside down boiling uh, pot of water. The whole thing appeared to me like a joke. I had never seen anything like this before, and grandfather had surely never mentioned it. One of the men poured some flour into a basket of water, yellowed by a mixture of herbs, stirred it carefully, and tossed its contents toward the boiling pot. Instead of falling down onto the floor, the contents obeyed another law. They landed in the boiling water, which splashed up upward onto the wood of the ceiling. Everybody went about their tasks as if unmindful of how strange their activities appeared. It was as if they were operating in a circle that defied natural laws, involved in a strange conspiracy to challenge the great master of the universe. Soon, the clay pot was filled with the gelatinous mass, which roared like a volcano in action. Cooking vapors filled the entire room, the man who had poured the flour into the boiling water grabbed a flat wooden stick called a wool and plunged it into the roaring sticky porridge in the upside down pot. He began stirring clockwise, then counterclockwise. Meanwhile, another man standing next to him pulled dry flour from a basket he was holding into the pot at regular intervals. The millet cake in the clay pot was slowly increasing in size, thickening, hardening and making the stern movements harder and harder. The first man was perspiring, his muscles contracting with each movement. He and the cakes were now growling in unison. When the first man was finished, He put his voles down on the floor next to the second man, grabbed two pieces of cloth to protect himself from the heat and took hold of the clay pot and its contents and pulled very strongly, holding his breath. The clay pot resisted for a while, then gave up and rushed toward the ground. The man quickly executed a rolling gesture turning the clay pot upright to avoid pouring any of its contents onto, contents onto the ground. The way, that way, container and contents were deposited safely on the floor of the room unspoiled. Almost immediately another man performed the same rolling movement backward with another clay pot head filled with water. The new pot rose in the air, made a U-turn in the middle, between the ground and the ceiling and back up onto the fireplace. Before the water began to boil the man had already put some okra flour in it, along with some condiments. He added some dry monkey meat and a huge number of other medicinal products. In the meantime, other people were serving out the millet cake. One portion of the cake was put near grandfather's deathbed. The other portions were placed in smaller pots and distributed to the women who were outside, who were waiting outside at the entrance. When the sauce in the second pot was cooked, the men took it down just as they had taken down the previous pot. The sauce was also served into clay pots and
0: distributed in a portion placed near grandfather's bed. At that time, the cooks of my father approached grandfather and sat around the still smoking meal. My father pulled out the turbo human tail once again and put it into grandfather's left hand. Grandfather had been sleeping all his time, indifferent to what was going on in his own room. Now he jerked as if bitten or shaken by an electrical shock. He opened his eyes and fixed him on the ceiling. My father said, Father, get up. The last meal has arrived. Eat with us this food that strengthens the body and keeps the mind in a state of, wake- of wakefulness. You cannot begin a trip to the ancestors on an empty belly. It is a long trip, a difficult journey. Eat with us, that which while living you never wanted to miss. Grandfather did not answer. He stretched slowly upward until he was sitting. He gazed in quietly from left to right, from right to left, as if to inspect his own room, then brought his lifeless eyes down to the dish in front of him. Everybody was silent and fascinated. There was a calabash full of warm water in their grandfather, and he plunged his right hand into it and watched, while his left hand continued to hold the hyena tail. Then he picked up a piece of the millet cake, plunged it into the sauce, and carried the whole toward his mouth. Five pairs of eyes vigilantly watched his every gesture. I noticed that the food disappeared before reaching the interior of his mouth. An invisible force simply absorbed it before it reached his lips. Nobody said anything or seemed surprised by any of this, so I stopped watching. Following the example of other guests, I began eating. I was hungry enough to swallow an entire roasted monkey and a few gallons of, of his gravy. We ate without a word as of Customs command. The mouth that eats cannot be the mouth that talks. Grandfather was the first to stop eating. He, left, he let his hand fall into his upper leg for a short time. Then he lifted it toward the calabash and again washed his fingers. That activity took a comparatively long time. He did not seem to be in a hurry at all. When he finished, the other men followed his lead All washed their hands and I was left alone to eat the leftovers. I pulled the two clay pots and their contents near to me. Everybody was looking at me. Without a word, I understood that I better eat fast. Years later, when I was older, I would come to understand what I had seen that day. The out of gravity, culinary art was a secret practice performed only when the leader of the exceptional standing died. The day of my grandfather's death was the first and the last time I ever saw it. But as things changed in our tribe, the practice passed away, perhaps along with the secret. Today it has become a tale, but for those who had direct contact with the reality of satulmo as it is called it is a sad thing to realize how much my people have lost and how much yet of our reality is to be buried in a pit of oblivion the food preparation within the precinct of reverse gravity was a symbolic enactment of the realm that the great ones enter through death by leaving his body grandfather had escaped the laws of physicality therefore only food cooked according to the laws of the new realm he now inhabited could be eaten and digested effectively. There are secret plants in nature that are very powerful. By using some of these plants known only by healers and men and women in touch with the great medicine of Mother Earth, our cooks were able to produce for a short time an area of free gravity. The stomach was about to set. The compound was black with men and women, girls and boys, who had arrived from the four corners of the tribal territory to pay homage to Bakai, my grandfather. I ate faster. The dishes were soon clean, and one of the guests took them away. <coughs> <clears throat> My belly full, I looked upward. I looked up toward the wooden stove that had held, that had yielded such a great meal, but there were now no traces of stove, fireplace, or fire in the ceiling above. By now, the sun had sunk behind the mountain, and the crep- and a crep- crepuscular dew had freshened the air. The wind had stopped blowing, and time was still, as if waiting. My father, who had vanished for a while, now reappeared, dressed in a ceremonial outfit. His huge cotton blouse had been moving by expert craftspeople, it was decorated at the neck with a circular arrangement of alligators, each one holding a tail of one in the front of it in its jaws. On the front of the blouse was an immense embroidered zodiac, a symbol of our tribal cosmogony, and the medicine wheels embroidered on the garment gave my father. And the medicine and the medicine wheels embroidered on the garment gave my father a powerful and occult look. At the bottom of the blouse, a series of stars of different colors made him look very wide and muscular. Beneath the blouse, which ended mid calf, could be seen an immense pair of trousers whose ankles were decorated with a series of smartly rendered Arab- arabesques. The bottom of these trousers was so narrow that I wondered how he had managed to stick his legs through. Beneath the pants, I saw a pair of modern shoes, so highly polished they shone even at twilight. The entire outfit was topped by a tightly fitting traditional hat shaped something like a western beret. Slung over his back was his medicine bag made of antelope skin and filled with carry shells. When my father entered grandfather's room, everybody stood solemnly. I wanted to get up like everybody else, but I was paralyzed by the heavy meal I had eaten. Fortunately, I didn't have to, for in the next moment everyone departed, leaving my father and me, leaving my father and me alone with grandfather. My father knelt down in front of his grandfather's still-seated figure, took out some some white powdered substance and dispersed it into the air. Like most magical things, it smelled terrible. I was suffocating, but my father seemed perfectly at ease with the smell. Here I am, he said humbly. All these words, grandfather at these words, gr- grandfather opened his eyes, which had been closed since the end of the meal, tightened his grip upon Aina tail, and said mechanically, Everything is ready. I will relinquish the destiny of the family into your hands. Though I must go, yet I will always remain here. From the realm of the dead I will be more useful to you. I will be there and here at the same time. But I have no flesh anymore. Son, and time has come for you to become an authority, a well of wisdom. Behind the tribe of men and women, you must stand vigilant. Sleep only when it is necessary and eat only when it is necessary. Call the wellness of the berefor. The prosperity of this family is in your hands. As he spoke, grandfather's voice had changed timber, progressing from deep and rich to thin, shrill and extremely distant. He spoke without moving his lips, without gestures and without intonation, but the power of his speech was incontestable. As he continued to speak, a glow, first yellow, then green, came out of the crown of his head and spread throughout the tiny room. The medicine boxes started bumbling against one another as if moved by an invisible force. Distant spirits could be heard behind grandfather, emitting sounds of approval at what he was saying. My father had a dramatic air. Frowning, he bent his head back in humility and abandoned himself to the will of the voice that spoke to him.
1: After a brief silence, grandfather continued. Son, I have preserved within myself a sense of honor, truth, and faith to our traditions. I grew up in the shadow of the sacred rights of the tribe and the family, and as a youth, I labored to use what I had learned from the school of our fathers. As I accepted more and more responsibility, Responsibilities, I pushed myself further than I thought I could go so that the family would prosper. Our prosperity is at its height now. Our name, the Brifor, is known everywhere, even in other lands across the big river. Remember then, the higher the rise, the more painful the fall. Mm. Keep the family's prosperity and honor up there, where I have kept it. This is the least you can do, to not allow our family to sink. Let me stand next to you to continue working with you. When you are confused, I will come into your dreams and tell you what to do next. There is yet another thing that you must know about about and accept for what what it is. Your own experience with the new knowledge that the whites brought here must serve you well. There are dangers in being with them and studying what they know. One of these dangers is forgetfulness. If your knowledge of their ways must mean forgetting yours, I ask you to abandon this relationship with them now. But I do not believe that will happen. On the contrary, I believe that your dealings with them will prove beneficial. You will, by your privileged connection with them, prove to other families within the tribe that the dog and the cat can live peacefully together. That is why we must open the family to the new era that has enveloped the entire Black race. We must, with care, expose our children to this new wind that comes from the West. Who knows, maybe tomorrow our medicine bag will be enlarged. This is the honor of experimentation. We cannot sit with our hands folded and surrender passively to this alien threat. By sending our children to mix with these people, let us begin our quest for a resolution to our difficulties. The time has come for a new definition, new visions, new warriorship. Remember, it is the ignorance of submission that cost you a wife and three children. You do not want to remain passive anymore. Your experience must become useful to you now. The war against our enemy must now begin with the peace treaty. I am offering you an intelligent way to confront a problem we do not yet understand the exact nature of. Your word stops here. Farewell. Grandfather had finished his speech. A heavy silence fell upon the room. In ceasing to speak, he had ceased to be the life force of the family. Outside, the crowd had grown larger than ever in thick blanket. And a thick blanket of darkness was gradually overcoming the twilight. For a brief moment, my father knelt silently in front of grandfather. Then he stood up took the magical tail out of grandfather's hand, helped him to lie down, and left the room walking backward. No sooner had he he stepped outside than an uproar filled the quiet air, an immense cry that began in the compound spread like fire, reaching every single person within hearing distance. At the same time, the sound of the funeral xylophone could be heard from the roof of our house. Two sharp notes, swiftly rendered, followed by a development at the octave. Then a central note continually sustained completed the musical message. A great chief, Bakai is his name, left this morning for the great journey. The living are mournful. Almost at once, the same sound was heard further off, transmitted by another xylophone.
0: I ran into the compound attracted by the violent sudden uproar. Women were lamenting as if caught by a boundless calamity, my mother, the most pitiful of them all. Assisted by half a dozen elderly women, she was running here and there like a cow painfully stung inside her ear by a bee. The elderly woman followed her everywhere she went, running or walking in, sym- in symphony the rises and falls in her grief. Her cries had a devastating effect upon the woman around her. I, too, cried, moved by the pain mother was expressing, but nobody aided me in my grief. Crying without help, I walked alone outside the compound. There, the scene was even more turbulent. A couple of hundred people were offering each in their own way their condolences to the birifo. Some men were literally barking in grief. Some women were whispering words and intelligence by the general howling. The women were the best vessels of pain. Their laments rose out of their throats and the same laments would begin again wait the laments rose out of their throats and went up like a witch's fire vanishing the mid air as if by enchantment then the same laments would begin again sharpened as if they had attained the roof of the sky and were now traversing the atmosphere in their descent to water as if they had bodies of their own their cries seemed to fall upon the ground becoming grave and slow as if chiding the ungrateful earth for having deprived them of someone they cherished all daggrove funerals are accompanied by great mourning, but this level of grief is even more greater than what was usually experienced. I think, I think that all of these women remember Grandfather's generosity. A great many of them were still alive because of him, and they knew it. They mourned for his loss and for what a tomorrow without him might bring. Under the 200-year-old Baobab tree in the middle of the Millerfield, men and women were regrouping slowly around a pair of xylophones and a drum. Grandfather's funeral had begun. Okay. All right. So imagine talking to your pops on some spiritual shit. You step outside the room and everybody just starts screaming, crying. Yeah. <laughs> Yo.
1: Yo. This, I mean, the whole. The
0: whole. You just ritual. start crying, running, just running. Like, you walk outside and just <gasps> somebody run across screaming <laughs> and everybody just drum, this music like immediately Funu was just popping, just crying no wait, no niggas don't wait, no time
1: but I like, you know what I really like what they said about the fact that they make sure that they see their dead so that they can um, grieve without any type of, you know without any limitation and I feel like Yo, like I don't think that we really have um too many of us really have this intention of allowing ourselves to feel emotions here, like they be like we do everything to literally avoid feeling things, and so it's like we don't get to process it, and so I really like the fact that they they uh discuss the intentionality. Um, behind the way that they're going to do this funeral that is just starting at the end of this chapter, you know, and the rituals that, that, that uh, went into all of this shit, getting all in the it. All
0: the shit before the funeral is so powerful. It's like, damn, what this funeral about
1: Right? To what this funeral about to give? Because y'all definitely just blew out mine. <laughs> like, and I want to know, I'm very curious, especially with the little that we know, about Malidoma's dad um how is he going to be as the leader now of the family um how is how is all of these things going to manifest I I don't know. I'm really excited to read and and find out about what that looks like for them. Like this is it's wild, but he also prophesied over him and was like you know, I think it will be best if you don't do this. But I know you ain't going to listen. So, <laughs> hopefully you make it good.
0: <laughs> yeah. Shit different. It got me thinking about, like, you know, like, all the spiritual people and shit today. And, it's, you know, people who put in that work tapped in. It's like, we may not even know it. We may not even know why, or well, who, what ancestors work with us and shit like that working through us. You feel me? But the fact that we allow them, the ancestors to work through us is important. Yeah. You know what I mean, because sure. you feel me? Because like, as you know, I think that's that's what it is. It's like it's that balance. It's that balance, and it's letting me know like, high key. Like, there's always gonna be like. It's always gonna be that room for us to tap in and and, and and do our ancestral rituals and shit like that. Like that ain't going nowhere, you feel me? But at the same time, it's gonna be niggas who ain't, ain't with it and they're gonna suffer the consequences. You feel me? The consequences, consequences. And key. everything
1: gonna keep balancing itself so though. I like what he he said. He said you about to show them that cats and dogs can exist together. That's kind of what you was talking about the other day. The fact that it's all right if we not on the same type time, but we gotta get to the point where we can exist. Like and not be worried about the fact that we not all on the same type time or not be like getting in people's way or being on whatever type time that they on. Period
0: me that's why it's like you really can't feel bad for niggas you feel me you really can't feel bad for niggas who suffering and shit like that because one of two things is gonna happen from they suffering either gonna become a healer or they just gonna continue to do what they do like you feel me and 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 ain't meant for them to be a healer they just meant to suffer because I mean you know what I'm saying like you can't control the lessons people learn type shit. Right. So, yeah, or
1: like, how they learn them.
0: For me, or how they learn them, yeah. So if niggas is suffering, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could be like, oh yeah, you a healer. Yeah, I don't know that. I know mm-hmm. that's me. Yeah. For me, my key like whoever's suffering for healing purposes, suffering for healing purposes. So, like, you know, we might have steps or or tactic or strategies for people to tap in or feel whole and be themselves and not struggle and not have to be a victim but you know it's just making me a little more aware that it's like that's for certain people you feel me whoever whoever that's for whoever that's for it ain't like some one size fit all shit when it comes to this
1: real talk I actually have seen something like probably like a month ago that was just talking about how, like, it's healers everywhere, like, in every level of life, like, it's healers that's, that are prostitutes type stuff, there's healers that's doing literally anything that's homeless, there's healers that, that I don't even know, like, this, they're everywhere, and they have to be where they at, though, you know what I mean, for them to have the role and, and spread their light in that way, but like you said, like, if they, you know, they gotta allow themselves to do that in whatever capacity they're meant to. They gotta be open to the fact that this is what's true to you, regardless of where um, where you are and who you're surrounded by.
0: Take,
1: what you doing?
0: Um, fucking. <laughs> Shape like clipping my nails.
1: I already knew that. I just wanted you to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Having it up. You didn't cut them, now you filing
0: them and shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Like shit different, like. You know like and this was the thing is is like this shit was the this shit was the 70s type shit you feel me so a lot of times we think about like black ritual and like, oh, ancient africa and it's like Nigga. It. like like, what well, niggas was tapped in, like, yesterday. Like, it's niggas outside right now.
1: Actually, remember, because this, he's still little. So, this probably like, 1960. Like, this shit just was, this was just happening. Like, my like, mother was born. You, I think you said that your mother was born the same year as this person. Yeah. Like, that shit, wow.
0: So, like, high key, like, this shit is, is, is. We ain't got to, you know what I'm saying? Like when it comes to anti gravity, upside down shit, magic, and all of that shit, it ain't just ancient ancestors that was doing that shit. That's literally going on right now, Same. right now.
1: And I, yep. I also he talked about how how um, a lot of these traditions, even like from uh from 1960 to when he got older, when he was writing this drink, basically was lost and they're just stories now. You know what I mean? So if you wasn't there and witnessed it, you don't even think that shit real. Even if you are a part of
0: the dagger culture. You're like it, that's just like expect niggas over here to believe shit like that.
1: Right. Right. When the people who is like the descendants of the people that was just doing it two seconds ago, like, don't yeah, even that was- realize that this shit is possible and real and you know. So I, I felt like that was really It was important for him to touch on everything he touched on and how, I guess for me, it's kind of connecting us to here, you know what I mean? Because it's connecting the fact that colonization in real life, like, stole a lot from us, whether we talking about on the continent you know in Africa or we talking about around other parts of the world where we ended up being dispersed that and going and moving to like it really it's not it's not just here that we missing shit you know and I think that in itself is a very it's a it's a powerful thing um and a oh no i don't think it's scary i don't think anything anything about this is scary with the understanding that um the understanding you gave with that line about remember we was talking about the the line about um preservation of cultures you know once they endangered species and it connected you to be like at the end of the day while that was happening over there, we had some whole other shit going on over here. and So that energy was uh, transported to another place to feed another spiritual um, movement for real and some Thank other you. people. So I can't really say it's scary or unfortunate, but it, it really just shows the connection that we've really got. With every everybody you know around the world and places that's been colonized, but especially from you know the continent, Africa,
0: so yeah, in the book he was saying how uh you know some <coughs> you know some you just people who uh at the same time someone is forgetting their culture. You know what I'm saying? Because it's being destroyed. You know, you mm-hmm. can forget your culture to to destroy. Or you could, you know, there's there, then there's certain people forgetting their shit to hell. Like, oh, I don't remember exactly how you, or how it was said, but long story short, it's like like the struggle or 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 destroying shit. Like the the culture that we're saying, like or the magic that we're saying is being destroyed and being forgotten and being lost. It's being lost so that someone else can find it elsewhere. You feel mm-hmm. me? Like there ain't no losing the motherfucker. Yeah, like literally, it's being evolved spiritually. Right, right, right,
1: right. That
0: one part enjoy the whole new culture being made.
1: Mm-hmm. For me with
0: that same spiritual energy, so it's yeah, like high- I think it's. Mm-hmm.
1: I do I think it's just like what you said, though. this the fact that it ain't nothing wrong. Like I think. That's the problem. I feel like it'd be like these certain uh, uh, adaptations of um, ancient religion or rituals and everything that's become these European religions or whatever. But like they always try to tell you to like like he just said, they they be trying to tell you to forget where you came from. And it's like it ain't nothing wrong with learning new shit, doing different things. It's nothing wrong with that. But it's really the issue comes where you like to do this, you can't do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you, you know substitute. what
1: I mean?
0: The issue comes when you substitute mm-hmm. instead of add on. That part. And then, and that, and that and that's that's something wise when you realize that that period. You know, I heard like just the like, some white niggas say some shit when it comes to, to, to wealth and being rich. You feel me? And say that same shit, and it applies. He said, the minute you realize that it's an and game instead of an or game, you exactly. win.
1: Exactly. You know what I talk about all the time is how we be in this society of either or. And it's it's all that's I feel like that is one of the hugest barriers that I see among us as people and not just as black people, but as people living on this earth. And it's but especially in America, like it's always this thing. We everything, the conversation that we have of everything between people and um, ideas, it's always this competition, this combative ass shit of things that got to be, something got to be better. Something got to, you know, you got to pick one. You can't do this. like. And it's like, bruh, like you don't got to pick one. You don't got to, everything don't got to be a competition. Everything don't got to be a fight. One don't got to be above the other. Like some shit just is. <laughs> like that's it. Some shit just exists and they can coexist. And that's why I like that line about, The cats and the dogs existing together because it's just like, bruh, why is it not obvious that we can coexist without hurting each other and try to take away from what already exists here? You know?
0: Type, type. I mean, like, it's not definite. Like, let's not act like that's the end of be all, though. It's because the the line that the dog could exist together is not like saying, like, like you feel me, like it's not saying like cats and dogs exist together, meaning like that's the end or be all. It's the cat cat and dog consists exist together because they always have been sitting together since the beginning of the time. So like high key you don't take it out, you don't you don't you don't take nothing from it. You don't you don't you know what I'm saying? Like <coughs> We're not eliminating nothing from it. We're not saying, "Oh, why can we exist together without war?" It's like, "No, like just realize that we are existing together and as above so below, man. There's there's a reason this war going on. There's a reason." And if you decide to say there's no reason, then you you got some inside work to do. <laughs> you feel me? But, we're not politicians, man. You're not a politician, you're not a philosopher. Therefore, spend less time on, on discussing things that you think have no meaning. Mm. And, you know, if you want to challenge yourself, <laughs> the things that you feel like are purposeless and have no meaning, find meaning in them things. You feel me? But you don't even have to. You feel me? But in all actuality, that's the thing. Like The things that we don't agree with, we decide to obliterate. That's white man's shit. That's how they did us. They don't agree with certain things about our shit, destroy it. Okay. The dude
1: said that poem about that shit uh, last week too.
0: Type shit. So okay, war is, is something that we don't agree with. That don't mean you should destroy it. I don't mean you should say it has no reason or no purpose or shouldn't be. You feel me?
1: I mean, I hear you. <laughs> I, I I understand what you're saying. I guess I just, for me, I feel like war exists because there's this competition of ideas and disagreements of ideas and what should and shouldn't. And this, this decision that, you know, you got something I want type shit and Instead, like you just said, like instead of saying "Can I get some? Can I trade? Can I do whatever?" I'm about to take this shit from you so that only I got it. Like that, I
0: don't. I'm saying like what I'm, I, what, I'm what I'm saying is like, if you want to challenge yourself, you for me, then you then you discuss why you think war exists because. Because like, and hopefully you get to some, to it exist for a purpose that you agree with. <laughs> you feel me? Because the more you say something in this world exists and it shouldn't, is parts of yourself. You saying shouldn't exist. It ain't nothing wrong with that, but just know that you feel me. So that's why it's like, it's like, like, if you really growing or you really tapped in and trying to do something for you, you find purpose in everything and and spend less time, you know what I'm saying? Finding find, finding things with no purpose. You feel me? Unless it's, unless it's time for you to eliminate and sacrifice parts of yourself. You feel me? But high key, like, there's purpose in everything. But if there's certain things I don't agree with, I'm saying, like... I think it would be best for me to not even discuss its, its purpose because I don't agree with it. Otherwise, you really criti- You know what I'm saying? Like you're really criticizing yourself. So everything you just said about war, you know? Like, if you was to think about yourself and describe, you know what I'm saying? Like put your, like literally, substitute the word war for Ife and then be like, and then say the exact thing you said just now. You know, and, and then it allow that lesson to be for you. You feel me? Because because I, like, I don't agree with war, but but, um, because I, because I, 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 Because I believe, you know, or know in universal law, you know, the law of correspondence that's as above, so below, you know, as within, so without. Then I understand that, that the war that's going on is beyond, you know what I'm saying? Like it's beyond what I, you know what I'm saying it's 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 beyond me it's beyond me and emotion and my feelings and ego it's beyond whatever it is and I know that whatever we are doing on this plane as humans as animals it's a representation of the stars representation of higher planes
1: mm.
0: ain't nothing we doing on here that ain't you know what I'm saying so it ain't like there's no gods looking down like we shouldn't be at war
1: I mean that's I I don't think that is the even the way that I was discussing was to say that I don't see the purpose but to say more so if (laughs) more so if it's more so if life was different type shit than I don't I wouldn't see the purpose of it. I feel like that was more so where I'm coming from. Cause I, I am I am deep in in our other conversation about about everything having its place. You know what I mean? So so I definitely feel that. I don't feel like it's something that uh it's it's a part. It's a part of the whole, you know? It's a part of the whole at the end of the day. We talking, well more so what I was talking.
0: <laughs> like you said, niggas, is not philosophers here. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, niggas ain't philosophers. So, like, that's what philosophers do. Philosophers is going to sit and, 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 and sit and, <laughs> and give they perspective on why something is happening, why something ain't happening that they don't really know about. But just mm-hmm. out of pure questioning just because and it's
1: like we ain't gotta do that. Yeah. Well, I just said that earlier in the video. I put up a little live video on Instagram. And one of the things, like I was talking about the fact that there's there's always, you know, this this bigger picture or whatever that our that our ancestors, the uh, God or whoever we we as uh an individual believe in and uh would not um is is aware of like it's this wisdom uh that they have that we couldn't possibly have you know what i mean and i was like it's not our job to figure out what that bigger picture is it's our job to just trust that there is a meaning and to you know work within our purpose and keep it moving so we we in agreement we in agreement for sure you. you
0: almost
1: done with your pedicure
0: yeah i'm not sure what you mean though like that there's something that our ancestors have that we didn't though
1: basically just the fact that um you know like this should say on my wall like my intuition is ancestral wisdom you know so when we kind of be guided to do certain things or when we going through pain and hurt like you said let's say healers is going through whatever and we be trying to um it's kind of like things that we have to go through is things we're guided to do in the midst of it um to to make it through it instead of going around it just saying that like 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 we talk about joy and pain is one of the same type shit so it's not about figuring out what's next and what is what is the meaning of the pain and what joy is going to come from it or how are you going to grow from it while you're in the midst. That's not the point. The point is that they both exist. They both have a purpose. They both have to, have to exist simultaneously for us to understand each individual entity type shit. And it, we don't have to figure out what the grand scheme of those things are. There's always there's everything is perfect. Everything is already is balancing itself, and with that, and so it's like we don't like, even though there is a hole, we don't have to figure out how that part fits into into the hole. We just got to be present into that in that part.
0: Yeah. That make more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think um is gonna be crazy
1: though yeah like like it's crazy that that's only chapter three, like I just keep getting floored by all of the 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 wonderful significance that's within each chapter, and we just getting started like yeah that
0: that that chapter one in the intro is just like what the fuck. <laughs> That was that. This shit different. Yeah,
1: for sure. Yeah, good looks for reading. Me. Thank <laughs> you for uh, thank you for getting me hip to the book and asking me to read it with you for sure. Like this drink, this drink blessing my life. <laughs> These combos is yeah. Like we said um, the last time we was reading it's is also really good to talk and be able to to elaborate on your own understanding of it with somebody and hear their own understanding what stuck out to them. You know, we got different experiences, so different shit stick out and means uh, means something um different. So yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well okay so how ready to get up soon? Not really. I was thinking we yeah, could we could get back
1: on Facetime real quick. Yeah, that's Maybe. what I was about to say. Not like go, but just get off Zoom.
0: Yeah, let's let's you know what I'm saying. Let's, <laughs> let's leave this let's Zoom alone. Okay. So I'm glad it's recorded too. I look forward to seeing this. Yeah. This. I
1: wonder how long it was. We've got like been on this.
0: Send me a link. Send me a link when we get off. I have I my settings so that whatever I record, the person I'm recording will automatically get a copy. I don't know.
1: I don't know. how to do that. So, but, we'll see. but I'm about to stop the recording right now. Peace, peace, peace.